Well, we are having a great time at our 10th annual North American Innkeepers Association retreat. Sure is the in place to be. Uh, if you've attended our retreat before, you know that uh, every year we try to get a special speaker, a special innkeeper from around the country to come speak of what's made them successful. We brought in some famous innkeepers in the past. Today we were hoping to have one of the more famous innkeepers in our country. Unfortunately, he had to cancel. He's a little busy as he takes on a new role as the leader of the free world. <laughs> but do not fret. We spared no expense. And we have brought in the most prominent innkeeper in all of history. Perhaps no innkeeper in history has been as talked about as this man you're about to hear from this morning. This innkeeper has hosted a little inn. In, at his little inn, he's hosted some important people and even a few celebrities. You know, I'll let him tell you his story. So would you join me in welcoming the innkeeper of Bethlehem? Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. It's good to be with you here this morning. Thank you for inviting me to your wonderful conference and retreat. I hope everyone's having a good time. It's good to see that the industry is still prospering after all these years. You know, without our influence, everyone would be left out in the cold. That tough audience. That one kills in Jerusalem. I'm here to talk to you this morning about a very important topic, maximizing your space, fitting everyone in when there's no room in the inn. I want to talk to you about that this morning. I want to thank you for inviting me to talk to you about that this morning. You know, the truth is, I don't get invited to a lot of places to speak, to be honest. I mean, a lot of the people that have gone through my inn get invited to speak places. But I'm usually in the background most of the time. I've had some famous people stay at my inn, uh, on, usually on their way to Jerusalem to some important meeting. And they come and stay for a while and then people invite them to speak at various places, but not me. I've even had two particular guests that arrived on one particular night, Mary and Joseph. They get invited to speak all the time at places. In fact, this time of the year, their schedule is so booked up. You were probably trying to get them and you had to settle for me. Even some dirty shepherds that showed up the same night as them get invited to speak places. But not many people want to hear from the innkeeper of Bethlehem. Truth is, most people wouldn't even remember me, wouldn't even know me if it wasn't for Dr. Luke recording just that one line about me, there was no room at the inn. The one short line, there was no room at the inn, that one line has both preserved my legacy and also pronounced my judgment by many. There was no room at the inn. 
that one line. You know, it's like you work all your life and you do the best you can and you try and provide for your family and you try and be a good citizen and a good neighbor and, and you try and be a good son and honor your parents and, and, and do all the right things in life. You try and serve your fellow man well in the industry that you work at. For me, it was keeping in like you. And you do your best all your life, but one line. It's amazing with all you do, all the hundreds and thousands of guests that came through my inn over the years, that one line, one night, that history judges me on what I did in one singular moment with one singular guest. It's amazing. You can live your whole life and do everything right. But in that one moment, history judges you with what you do with that one decision. But I'm glad to be in a room full of people who can understand what happened on that night. I'm glad to be in a room full of people who who understand what the situation was on that night. So that's why I want to talk to you about maximizing your space. A lot's changed, I guess, since the days I kept in many years ago. I was backstage looking at some of your posters and brochures, and I can only guess that many of your guests are uh, pretty lazy and uh, somewhat demanding. I even saw that some of you call your places bed and breakfasts. Bed and breakfasts. You have to provide a bed for people? You must have some very lazy travelers indeed. In my day, people brought their own bed. They carried a blanket or a pallet on them or packed it on their donkey. Providing a bed for people must be the pinnacle of lazy travelers. I even saw some pictures where you provide food, breakfast. Now, I don't even know how you do this. I might provide fire and some water, but bring your own food, please. How can I possibly be expected to provide food for all the people that might come through my inn? You must have some very lazy travelers indeed and demanding. I was reading one brochure that said something you have called air conditioning. You have guests that expect you to condition the air that they breathe? Do they think you're some kind of God that you can control the air? Very demanding and lazy guests indeed. But I guess even after all those things that have changed, my guess is there's some things that don't change. And I would imagine in your day, just like mine, that you have a limited amount of space that you can provide for some guests, but at some very busy times, it becomes difficult to provide for everybody. And so that's why I want to talk to you about maximizing your space, fitting everyone in when there's no room in the inn. So let me talk to you. Now that I'm in, among friends and in a room full of people who understand my situation, let me talk to you about one particular night to give you some pointers on how you can fit people in your inn. That night that history remembers me by, 
you have to understand. Imagine your busiest time as an innkeeper. And then multiply it by 10 and you begin to understand the situation that me and my family found ourselves in. We aren't a big inn like those in Jerusalem. Those inns pride themselves on being able to provide space for everyone when the big festivals happen. And so most of the year they have plenty of space for everyone who comes. But not Bethlehem. We're not a big, we're a small family operation. We have a few places to stay for people who would come through. We just have some place for the animals to stay and people to stay, but not much more than that. We, but it's always been enough. We're not a significant city like Jerusalem, but we are important. We'd often have travelers come through because of how important a place we were. You remember our ancestor Jacob when he was traveling through Bethlehem with his wife Rachel. She was giving birth to their son and she eventually gave birth to their son Benjamin but she died while giving birth and Jacob buried her in Bethlehem and he piled up 11 big stones to mark the spot. And so people would come to Bethlehem to see that spot where Rachel had been buried. And they'd stay at my inn, and I'd give them tours and show them how to get to the place. We were a significant location, not as big as Jerusalem, but significant. It was even a prophecy about us. The prophecy, you might not know of it, but the prophet Micah once said, O you Bethlehem, you are not the least of the villages of Judea. For from you will come a ruler. Now most people don't pay much attention to that prophecy. But if you live in Bethlehem, you listen and you talk about that all the time. I mean, when things go bad, we'd go back to that prophecy and say, yes, but one day a ruler will come from Bethlehem. Most significantly, of course, Bethlehem is known because King David came from Bethlehem. The greatest king that Israel ever knew, perhaps the greatest king ever in the world, came from our fields. He kept sheep in those fields at Bethlehem. So no, we're not a big city like Jerusalem, but we were important. And so I had an inn there, and it was an honored and privileged place to keep in. It was an honor and a privilege to be there. My family would work hard, and we would accommodate people as much as we could. But we never had a time like this. A time when Caesar Augustus, or Caesar against us as we would call him, (laughs) he wanted to make sure he was getting all the taxes that were rightfully his. So he decided to take a census of all the Jewish world. And he demanded that everyone return to their ancestral homeland to be counted and taxed. As you can imagine, this caused quite the disruption. But not only that, it got people quite upset. They had to travel back to places where their family came from, but they had never actually been themselves. And they had to travel back there into their homeland and trace their family roots. And so all the people from Bethlehem, especially those from David's line, and believe me, they remembered when they were from David's line, They all had to come back 
to Bethlehem. A bad time for people, but a good time to be an innkeeper, of course. And we had done everything we could to provide for everybody that came. My family rose before dawn. We got water for people, water for the animals. Many of them had never been to Bethlehem, so we had to give them directions to where to go, directions. We were providing directions to Rachel's tomb, telling them how to get to Jerusalem when they left. We were providing all of their needs, protecting them from thieves, shelter from the weather, and of course, trying to keep peace between the Roman guards who wanted their tax and the people who were there. We were doing everything we could on that day. And so you can understand what it was like when late in the day a knock comes at my door. You can understand what it would have been like when that man is standing in front of me and I knew what he wanted without him saying a word and he knew my response without me saying one. He could see that there was no place anywhere to stay. He could see that there were people and animals everywhere. But I looked at him. Behind him was his very pregnant bride, looking like she was ready to give birth at any moment. And listen, I'm not a heartless man, and neither are you. I know what it, you know what it was like in that moment. You never want to turn someone away. That's why you went into the industry in the first place. We're here to help people. And we had done everything to fit everyone in. And I thought, we've got to do something for this couple. If I turn them away out into the cold night, surely the thieves will take advantage of them. It's not their fault they had to travel so slowly because of the pregnancy of the young woman. We have to do something. But everything was full. There was no room in the inn. But I began to think, come on. You've, you've provided for everybody. There's got to be something we can do for this couple. There's got to be something. And it, in that moment, I heard, I heard a cow mooing. And I thought, the stable. The stable, of course. We hadn't yet put anyone in the stable. And we could put someone in the stable. And yes, it's the place we keep animals. But my stable is a clean stable. I am the innkeeper of Bethlehem. And I know how to keep a stable. And to be fair, it's not that unusual anyways. I mean, you have to remember in my day, many people kept animals in their home. In fact, the way homes were built in my day is the people would live on one level and then there'd be a lower level about a step or two below where the animals would be kept. And between the two levels, we would put a manger or, or a feeding trough so that the family could be eating their dinner and you leave, you finish your lamb chop and there's a little bit left on it, you drop it behind you in the manger and the animals come along and they eat it. It's not that unusual at all to have animals in the home. And besides, I had kind of heard that this couple was from Nazareth and it's not the best part of the kingdom anyway and I think they'd be okay in a stable. So I showed them to the stable and I gave them a place to stay. How was I to know that she was going to give birth that night? How was I to know that she was going to have her baby that very evening? I mean, that, that of course, if I had known that, might have changed things. But I did the best I could putting them in the stable. Believe me, it did make it difficult when I found out the baby was born. And then only more difficult later when we found out uh, that the baby turned out to be 
the Messiah that our people were waiting for and the, and the Son of God. You try spinning that one in your PR brochures. Yeah. Oh, my fellow innkeepers had a good time with that one. Yeah. Oh, here comes the innkeeper of Bethlehem. Don't stay at his place. Even the Messiah can't get a room there. Oh, watch out. Don't go to the inn of Bethlehem. Even God can't find a place to stay. Of course, if I had known what was going to happen that night, I might have been a little bit different, but I did the best I could. And you, of all people, understand that. I mean, you, you, you find space where you can. And actually, I did a favor for that couple that night. Who knows what would have happened to them if they were sent out into the cold. Here's the bottom line for you as innkeepers. Maximize their space. You want to fit people in when there's no room in the inn? You need to never put out the no vacancy sign. I tell you, history will remember you for the night you put out that no vacancy sign. You never put out that no vacancy sign. Someone shows up to your door, you find a space for them. The first thing you do, here you do, here you go, you're writing this down. The first thing you do is you start putting more than one family in a room. Double, triple, four families, just stuff them all in there. No, they're not going to be happy at first. But you give them a free tour of the temple. You show them, you give them some passes to Rachel's tomb. You give them some free stays and they'll be fine. You fill those rooms with people. Those rooms you have where people eat, push the tables aside. Sleep people on the floor. You got a broom closet? Get rid of the brooms. Put down some pallets. Let the kids sleep in there. You do whatever you have to do to find space for people. Never put out that no vacancy sign. You give up your own room if you have to. You have a room in your place, sleep on a chair. Sleep outside if you have to. But don't you ever put out that no vacancy sign because history will remember you for that day. And if anyone gives you a hard time, you just tell them. You remind them about the innkeeper of Bethlehem who did everything he could. And even if you have to put God in a stable and let God alone not stay in your house, you do whatever you can. Because no matter what happens, you did the best you could, no matter what anybody says. (laughs) Sorry about that. You just find space. You know what? I can't do this anymore. I know you brought me here to talk about maximizing your space. And I know the people who brought me here did it at great expense. And I'm grateful for that. But here's the truth. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think of the face of that young man at my door and that young pregnant woman seeing the Joseph's breath cooled by the night air, just looking for a place to stay There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about 
what I could have done differently that night. Those of us who lived in Bethlehem, we talked about the prophecy. Talked about the ruler that would come from Bethlehem. And here it is. Here was the night that God was doing what he said he was going to do. And what was I doing? Same things I did all the time. Getting water for people. Trying to get people a place to stay. Trying to keep people quiet. Trying to grab a little bit of sleep before the next morning. Here it was, the greatest opportunity in my life. And I had no room. I had no time. I had no interests. Later, this baby would become a man and die for me. And how did I welcome him to his world? I stuck him in my stable. Didn't even let him in through the front door. Just stuck him out back. Listen. You want a lesson from the innkeeper of Bethlehem? Here's the lesson. Lesson is that sometimes we innkeepers get too busy for our own good. We get busy cleaning. We get busy doing things that other people will see but aren't really that important. I thought I was giving this couple a gift by offering my stable. But in reality, I missed the greatest gift I was ever presented with that night. Maybe it's true for you too. Maybe things haven't changed as much as they seem to have. Maybe you get busy like I do. Maybe you get busy in your life. There are other things that distract you. Just remember that in the midst of the busiest time of your life, when you are least expecting it, might be the exact moment that God offers you his greatest gift. It may be right there in front of you that God offers you the chance to open your in to him. It may be that in the midst of all you do and all the people you help in your life, that all that will really matter is what you do when that one guest comes knocking on your door. It may be that you may do a lot of good things in your life and your inn may serve a lot of people, but all that will matter in history and even eternity is what you do with one particular guest that comes knocking on your life and on your door. If you hang out the no vacancy sign. If that opportunity comes, don't be like me. Don't stick Jesus in a stable. You give him the best room in your end. Thank you.
Now, there's a keynote to remember. Do not stick Jesus in the stable. This morning, as I was preparing us, I was looking through my calendar. <clears throat> so on this particular app that I use, it has a special feature where if you look at the calendar as, as the whole year, what it does, when you have a lot of events in one day, it shows up as a bright red. The lesser you have, it shows up in different shades, and there's a, there's a spectrum that it shows. And I looked through this past year, and I looked at the amount of red I had on that calendar. There were very few days where it was a dull yellow, or even nothing. Our calendars are often red. Our calendars are often full. And as in our own nature, we try to cram more in. There's always that one more meeting. That, that, there's always that one sale. That one game that we have to attend. That one more Christmas party. That one gift that we still have to get. There will always be one more thing that we have to accomplish. However, these things have a way of taking up too much space in our lives. It overwhelms our calendar. And if we're honest with ourselves, these really are not the most important things that need to be on our calendar. You may ask, what is important? You may say, isn't it being a good person? Providing for your family? Taking care of those who love you and whom you love? If the innkeeper had something to say, it's that no, there is one that's more important. You see, God through Christ did something important for us. He looked down and he saw a people that were lost. He saw a people that were in sin. He saw a people that had no way back to him. And he said, this is important. He responded by sending us his son. And that's what we celebrate today. The fact that God saw us as important. Saw you and me as important. You see, he would, Christ, he would give up the glory of heaven and come down to the filthiness of a stable. He would give up what was rightfully his up there and take on in humility what was down here. He would give up what was his so he could give you and me what we didn't deserve. That's what's important. No matter what you may accomplish with your life, no matter how much good you may do, Please know that there is nothing more important than the one who is knocking at your door today. You see, in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, John, he writes, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. These are the words of Jesus. That, that night... It was a young couple knocking on the 
the innkeeper's door, he turned them away. This morning as we sit here, there's one more important knocking at your door. There's one knocking and saying, would you have a relationship with me? Would you have some space for me? He is knocking at your door this morning. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to welcome you into his family. So today, in, all, in the midst of all you have to do, there's plenty to be done today. It's still Christmas. There are lunches and dinners to be attended. But what I'm asking for from each of us today is for us to take a moment before we leave this room. Take a moment to search your hearts. Take a moment to ask God to respond to that knock and say, Lord, the space is yours. There are some of you here today that have never had the opportunity to do that. And some of you who really do need to take a moment to ask him, to allow him to come into your space. Please do not miss in the busyness of life this opportunity. So with all heads bowed, take a moment. Take a moment to search your hearts to say, Lord, have I made my calendar so full, my life so occupied that I do not have the space for you? You see, he's standing at the door and knocking, looking for someone who would respond. Would you respond to him? Would you respond to him and say, Lord, I give it all. I give you the best of what I have. I give it all. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for that gift that you gave us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to come into your presence and just to sing. Lord, even as we sit here today, Lord, we, we, we accept the fact that our lives are too busy. We accept the fact that our space is too constrained, that sometimes we have no space for you. And Lord, I ask that we would be open. Lord, we would be open to you, that we would give you the space you need. Amen.